0: Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. I am your host, Chris Lukinenko, and I scour this big brand land of ours, looking under fermenters and behind mash tuns to find the best beer stories to share with you. The Beer Healer Interviews is now available on all major podcast services. If you like the show and want to help out, can I ask you to simply rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or your preferred podcast service. Just leave a few words and a rating and the podcast gods will do the rest. By doing this, you'll help others to discover the show more easily and hopefully get more people interested in this great industry that we call craft beer. I've got something a bit different for you on this podcast. Last weekend, 30 of us or so went out to the White Hills just outside of Launceston to have a day out at the Van Diemen Farm and Brewery. It was an access all areas and a long lunch with like-minded beer lovers as members of the Van Diemen Paddock Club. Every time I head out to see Will, whether it be to drop in just to say g'day, or to attend the best little beer festival I have ever been to, or maybe to pick hops with friends and family, it's always an outstanding day, and this was no exception. The day started for me, driving up from Hobart and heading to St John Craft Beer in the city just to grab a cab and meet up. The first person I bumped into was Brad Rogers, you know, of Stone of Wood fame. Anyway, I'd met Brad once before, but I had to reintroduce myself as Chris or the beer healer because he politely lied through his teeth when he said he knew who I was, and mate, I thank you for that. Now the next guys we met were Bob and Mike from Adelaide. They jumped into the cab with us and they had no idea who I was until I spoke, and Bob was like, ah, I know those dulcet tones. Funny that, I actually get that every now and then. Anyway, into a cab and 20 minutes later our cab driver was unsuccessful in trying to kill us as he drove around every fucking corner on the wrong side of the road and swerved at invisible potholes and in animal carcasses. My sphincter was clenched up so bad, I was worried I might never shit again. But once we got out to the Van Diemen property, it was like a wave of relaxation just washed over me. Those rolling hills, the old oak trees, the 10 foot high fire that we'd lit from a bunch of old pallets and that first beer he thrust into my hand... I had arrived. You know, um, Will was just in his element. He was handing out beers and he was smiling like a fool and chatting with everybody. Now, I've just got to apologise. So what I did during the day was I took recordings of everything that I could in the hope that I might be able to repurpose it to give you guys a bit of an idea of what the day was like. So this first bit of audio... I sort of didn't realise we were going to be having the, uh, the first speech, it got me a bit by surprise, so I hadn't put the windsock on my microphone, I did my best to shield it from the wind with my body but you'll hear it's a little bit blustery in parts, anyway I fixed that for the other recordings but without further ado, here's Will.
1: Uh, we're all here for the same reasons and I've got to thank you first and foremost, though. you guys are the ones that uh, have supported us from the get-go. If I start to milk, then you let me know. Um, So, thank you. I'm not gonna stand there. Um, Yeah, so you all have an appreciation for beers, and particularly the ones that uh, we're doing, and um, what we like to do. And you guys are the the ones that are uh, at the forefront of what we want to try and achieve. And I hate to break it to you, but you're our first best dummy. Um, and so your feedback matters and so this is one way in which we can, I, I say we when I mean the brewery and my wife Kaylee that's in there, um, I say thank you and, and something that we can do is that I appreciate that um to say thank you. Um, obviously we're not open to the public so this is one of those few occasions in which you're able to come along and, and enjoy it. Um, as I said before it's your job to introduce and, and chat with each other. Um, I can facilitate as many conversations as you want, but I've got a few things that I need to try and cover off on today for you guys so I'll be in and out and around and bits and pieces. so if there is something you want to ask, um, as I said in the email, take a photo, do whatever. Um, yeah if there's something that I can answer please uh, let me know. A um, couple of housekeeping things. Uh, we were. If the weather was slightly better, we were going to be in the paddock proper. But that wind pisses me off. Uh, turns everyone funny at the end of the day. Um, so what, basically, what's going to happen is we're going to start here. Uh, welcome drinks and stuff. We're going to take a wander down into the hop shortly if, for anyone that wants to. If you want to stay here by the fire and couldn't give two stuffs about the hop. Um, That's not a problem at all, but there may or may not be a surprise down there, so you make that call. Um, So, And we'll come back up here, there'll be some entree served here, and then we'll go round into the brewery where we're out of the wind, where it's a bit warmer, uh, and you'll see where lunch is and uh, what's happening around there. Um, And the basic job today is for you guys to enjoy yourselves. It's not, I'm relatively fluid on my agenda and things. of what happens today so but it's about fire food and more than anything friends um there's a bloke standing over here in the white jacket that he won't want me to draw attention to but (laughs) he's a bit of a mentor of mine and uh i remember something he said uh quite a few years ago that this industry is built on people uh both within industry and you guys as consumers um and so today is more about a celebration of that and Um enjoying a fun time with food, beers, and friends. So thank you for coming. Cheers, welcome. There's a heap of different beers that will be brought out to you across the day and stuff. So, yeah, make yourselves at home.
0: Next up, it was a bit of a trip down to the hop field and another beer, the Fresh Hop White IPA, and that beer is absolutely outstanding. I love that. I absolutely love that beer. Anyway, there's Will standing in his hop field. It's about... Fifty by twenty-five meters in size, maybe just under the size of maybe a half soccer field, I reckon. And uh, anyway, he gave us this speech. Uh,
1: But so this is our this is our hop field. What we're growing here are three varieties: Super Pride, Pride of Ringwood, which are two Australian-bred varieties, which are not really used that much in commercial brewing anymore. Sorry, craft brewing. used for um, sort of the mainstream lagers, sort of a bogue's draught um, will contain rides of wider ringwoods, um, and there's also Cascade in here. The reason that we grew this, you can see the driveway comes up, there's this sweeping bend. I put these here so that during the growing season, Every time we drove in, you'd see them, it was incredibly romantic as a brewer, oh look how good that is and stuff. Um, But as with where Van Diemen's progressed, it's now got to the point where we actually utilise this field um, relatively heavily, to the point where the beer that you've got in your hand now is actually our wet hop beer from this year, so there are two main ways that you can use hops. One is uh, dried. Uh, The commercial guys will dry it, pelletise it, um, consolidate it um, so that it's in varieties uh, that we then know alphas so that when it goes into a brew recipe you know what you're going to get out of it both from a flavour and a bittering point of view. Uh, The other way you can use it is wet hops which is a little more difficult, a little bit more unknown but it's a little more exciting. Um, Obviously here you've just walked the distance in which we have to travel our hops. Um, Quite a few of you have been and come hop picking so thank you it's nice to give you something back uh, as a reward um, but wet hops provide a difference of flavour and character um, in the beer in which dry hops uh, pelletized hops just don't so hopefully when you're drinking this you're tasting the farm in the bottle and hopefully that's a majority of those beers that you have today is the same thing um, so this has our wet hops in it it's got our own uh, Everton yeast on it um, um, it's also had um, fresh grain pulled from the kiln the morning brewing, so it was actually pouring in or going through the malt mill at about 27 degrees. Uh, the grain, once we pulled it straight out of the warm kiln, which is a really foreign um, concept for to, to the brewers that are around, um, to be milling with warm grain it was in sort of yeah, it's 14 degrees ambient, I think. Uh, so yeah, so this is the. Um, well, this is basically where we get to. Um, it's hopefully a really approachable drink. Um, our yeast is, is by extension a, a pretty much a French Saison-esque, um, almost Belgian whitbeard sort of type character. Um, and so therefore it's pretty approachable. We can do quite a bit with it um, with regards to the, the spec in which we can do stylistically. Um, but yeah, um, it looks a bit sad now. So we'll actually come through so you can see, we actually leave this growth on it, um, just so that it hibernates over the course of winter. There will actually be, you can see there, so there, if you want to have a look, there are actually uh, nodules growing off there that will be uh, binds for next season um and they're all through there so we'll actually come through we'll grab a we'll throw a lawnmower over these to cut it all back uh we'll mulch it oh sorry we'll fertilize it mulch it prior to um the, the depths of winter before they start to spring back through as, as almost like asparagus heads uh in late oh what would it be mid to late september so but yeah How, long, how many
0: Apologies for this. I had to change hands in between these sections and nearly drop my beer, so I missed the question that you know prefaces this next next uh, bit of audio. Luckily, Brad Rogers was there to help me out and pour another beer. What a great guy! And anyway, uh, someone made a joke about Will taking on HPA with his hop garden and making millions, but uh, I'll let him answer it. Uh, back to Will.
1: Start a brewery. People think you start a brewery to make money. <laughs> I know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you start a hop farm, certainly to lose money. <laughs> Uh, because uh, look, we just don't have access to the cool varieties now. Um, they go through some of the varieties that are grown uh, or bred up, it takes 11 years to go from a root stock or a, a selection stock of potentially 30,000 hops and that then cuts out over the course of 11 or 12 years to the point where there's one hop variety. And these hop growers are then working effectively 12 years in advance to what our taste and um, beer styles are in. So, it's a lot of forecasting, there's a lot of, there's a lot of money to be made, there's a lot of money to be lost, so. Especially when you rope in agriculture as, um, yeah, the weather and, and climate you know you conditions. You do get access to the money. No, that's the other thing. We don't have our own breeding program here. Mm. Um, so we're at a whim. We, we've had some um, late night conversations with HPA about whether or not they wanted to grow Galaxy up here, just to see whether or not a row would work for 150 kilometers yep. more north, no, yeah. not interested.
2: What about all your
1: grain, you know, and it's their farm. are you going to talk about that? Uh, yeah, because we're not going to walk
2: over to the barley, so, Good.
1: the barley is actually... <laughs> Good question. Lovely question, Bradley. Uh, so the barley is actually, you can't see it, so there's no point looking.
3: Uh, it's a couple of paddocks
1: over there. <laughs> um, so again, much like the hops, it was something that, uh, that was very much organic in, our, in the growth of the brewery, that, uh, that we saw that there was a disconnect of the middle ground, that we were buying grain in from suppliers from, and it was grown, some of it was grown in Tassie. Uh, most of it was grown on the mainland. Uh, and I grew up on a farm in the Fingal Valley, uh, which is about an hour southeast of here. Um, and we grew malting barley for Bogues and Cascade. And at, at the time, as a kid, never really understood the concept of the difference between good quality malting barley and feed quality barley, which is, just goes to animals um and so we we decided to to grow barley for the first time and we had a couple of old-timers come down uh from the area and this area is well known as a cereal production area but a couple of old-timers came down and said oh, hey, we hear you about the start growing barley you won't do it and i said oh beautiful thanks for the vote of uh, um they said yeah no it, it hasn't been done for years the modern varieties won't work you need irrigation we didn't have irrigation at the time we subsequently do now but um we grew it and we're in a we're in a very lucky band of weather here there's a there's a band that's probably about 30 to 40 kilometers wide runs all the way through from uh bernie sheffield railton through here and it stops just at the Fingal valley and we get these prevailing norwesterly winds that carry moisture with us and the midlands are incredibly dry at the moment even though it well, not incredibly dry but pretty dry whereas where this is why i said put sturdy shoes on because it's wet as wet out here Uh, And so this barley crop that we grew uh, was, uh, what did we put in? Uh, It was a Westminster variety, uh, which had been grown in the Midlands for years, a very well-known Tassie uh, variety, but uh, these old-timers said you can't do it. Anyway, we got these rainfalls. uh, We ended up getting it harvested, tested, hit the 98th percentile for molten quality. uh, And word obviously got back to these old blokes and they rolled up one afternoon, jumped out of the car and they said, oh, you, you got a beer? (laughs) I <laughs> uh, said, "Oh yeah, I reckon I can help you there." And much like we just did, then handed them a beer out of the back of the Ute, and they all just went like that and said, "Yep, we were wrong. Well done." So, uh, and from there, we've subsequently grown more grain. Um, we've got better at understanding the varieties in which we grow. Uh, we've got we've now doing on farm malting. So the grain once, well, the grain never leaves the farm. So we're growing a schooner variety now. Um, Basically, because it's an old 1960s variety, uh, it's it's much better for brewing beer. There's a lot more flavour to it rather than... Because we we grow it as an ingredient, not a commodity. So we're not after yields. We're not after nine tonnes to that uh, hectare or whatever. This yields a bit under four or around four. Um, But the flavour that we get out of it and and what's the the grain that's in this is superior, uh, in my opinion, um, to the modern varieties, such as a, uh, like, something like a planet, which we have grown side by side. Um, and yeah, so we grow the seed, the, it's in the silos up there, we tick out of it, we molt it. Uh, I'm happy to go through the maltings up there once we're near a fire. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we, we do that, and we're trying to get to the point now where on average we're using about 35 tonnes of um, base malt a year. In our in our brewing operations, we're trying to get to the point where we grow 35 35 to 40 tons of uh, barley, which then we can utilise that as our as our primary base malt across all of our beers, not just the estate ales or the wild or spontaneous and stuff um, across all of our beers. So um, it's a unique position to be in. There aren't many breweries that uh, that are in this um, side of things, but. The driver for us was, we always thought that if Bass Strait, if oil prices shot through the roof and Bass Strait shut down and stuff, are we in a position to be the most popular place in Tasmania and still be able to make beer? And uh, thankfully we can, a beer like this, we can answer that question and say yes. So the furthest in ingredient travelled for um, this beer is about 500 metres. So, yeah, so when we when we say local, we, we mean local. So yeah.
2: Sort the sped grain,
1: cows. Uh, spent grain goes, yeah, so spent grain, so once we finish brewing with it, so that... Do you know anything about brewing? smoke and mirrors. So once we... So, um, we can't use barley straight off the paddock. It's got to go through a process called malting, which is effectively where we trick the grain into growing. It believes it's in the soil, so it converts all its internal structure into sugars. Uh, We then as maltsters write bastards and we stop that process by throwing it in the kiln and heating it up and saying no, 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 you're not going to go any further, hold those sugars there. Those sugars are then obviously available for us as brewers to crush the grain, um, draw it out with some warm water uh, and then it goes into the fermenter on a brew day, uh, which the yeast then consume it um, and turn it into alcohol and carbon dioxide. The spent grain, so once we've extracted all those sugars, they go uh, onto the farm, so we bucket it out, or goes into a big bin, sheep, cattle, or you'll actually be lucky today, you'll actually get a bit of spent grain in your dessert this afternoon, so <laughs> we tried to do it. So the whole idea for today was the, the, um, the food and stuff, and I'll speak more about it up there, but um, pretty much everything you're consuming today um, is from the farm both from a liquid and um, food form. So there's a few couple of things that um, we've had to bring in, but pretty much I, I reckon the percentage would probably be close to 90% of what you're eating comes from here, so, yeah. Nice. So, yes. <laughs> one more? <laughs> oh hang on, I've got one more over <laughs> here. <sorry. laughs> how's the,
3: how's the future looking for your gym and
1: what? Uh it's a whole nother department. No. We won't we won't ever go into this going no. No,
3: no, no Would you go into making your make Spirit?
1: No. We've done that in the past and it's a bit of a pun, Yeah. You know. What
4: about seltzers?
5: Seltzes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> St- <stable>? Never say <laughs> never. <laughs> uh Sorry, any more questions? <laughs> uh,
3: so, what why would you pick such a popular uh, style as a white IPA to uh,
1: <laughs> this is uh yeah previously we've done a yeah this is actually one that we used to do probably four or five years ago as a wet hop ipa um one that's suited to our yeast so that's arguably the primary driver uh we we, we can do a saison or something but they're obviously not hopped to the rate of what an ipa is so hence the reason it brings in an ipa um much like the moobrew um, imperial stout is called the Velvet Sledgehammer. This guy, whenever we used to do a beer launch in town for this, we used to, the yeast used to rip through it. We used to, I think, Joey, you've been there a couple of nights. Um, It would be a 7.5% beer and it'd drink like uh, 4%. (laughs) And I would do this thing where we would do a brewer's shout and I would get a pint of it. This is after probably quite a few pints. And the brewer's shout, for the period of time that I was on that pint the, the, I'll shout the bar. And so you can dictate that pretty quickly if people are taking the piss or it's not going um, as well as what you thought or whatever. But the couple of times that we made this at above 7, 7% seven is that little old mate ABV that would tap you on the shoulder <laughs> after a four or five pints that would just send you silly. And yeah, so we, that's why, what's this, 6.6? Yeah, this is still encroaching in the territory of Jeez, it'd be nice if it was back down around five one, <laughs> but we can't. The yeast does what it does, and that's one of those things that we have to work within the realms of what we have access to. And uh, yeah, no, it, no, no one does no one does white IPA because it's not any it's not cool anymore. <laughs> exactly. I know that, that's the is, answer is it a after. commercial yeast
3: that you propagate here, or have you sort of evolved
1: this? The yeast, of, yeah. No, the yeast is two Saccharomyces strains yeah. that we have isolated from a um, uh, cool ship culture. Yeah. Um, so um for our and again we'll show it up here um cool ship beers are beers in which we inoculate them uh we well, sorry we don't inoculate them with a the known yeast so they're out in the wild and we sat it just here previously uh and it's pretty much beholden upon what's floating around here from that col- uh, from that uh, from a cool ship one night we isolated out 110 <coughs> different yeast strains uh, 115, sorry, uh, we took them through trials, uh, sensory trials, 105 of them we turfed immediately. They were either sulphur ridden, um, smelt like pond water, uh, acetic, um, just vinegar, uh, that just turfed them. Uh, 10 of them showed promise, we took them through further trials, uh, isolated them out further. Two of them were clean sac strains, which is, I don't think we could do that again. It was absolute dumb luck that yeah. this occurred. Um, and so we then had the choice, we still have them on file separately, but we decided it was more reflective to bring these two styles, uh, two strains back together. Um, and they are 50-50, neither of them out each other. Um, and so, and it's probably, you look back at how, that what we're doing is no different to what was occurring in France and Belgium. 100, 150, 200 years ago, farmhouse brewing. And it's probably, it makes sense that the, the two sac strains that we've got from the wild, are these almost French saison sort of um, type characters floating around and doing that? And why saison is a farmhouse, uh, a really well-known farmhouse who, style of
0: beer? Who helped you do that process? I mean, you're pretty smart, but I don't think you're like a chemist
1: anything. But. <laughs> we had a really good friend that I went to uni with that was in wine yeast and got incredibly bored with that, and just happened to luck upon the time that um, that we threw her that, and she just sunk her teeth into it, and yeah got stuck in and cool. found out and yeah fortuit- very <coughs> fortuitous so but yeah any other questions I feel How like a teacher a an <laughs> excursion or it's something the you're around the around you. really
2: annoying mature age <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good segue uh, it's actually a question from my son we've been here quite often Hayden and I come down we ride quite a bit Hayden only asked me to ask you one question can you please ask Will why he's growing his moustache for next Movember? Uh, <laughs> do, you, do you want Do you want do you want the honest answer to that?
3: <laughs> because who's Will? That's Tom Selleck.
1: Ted Lasso. Because no one. Let's have it. Let's like no one trusts a skinny chef. Yeah, no one trusts a bro without facial hair. Look at the guy next to you. Look at the guy next to you. I got nothing. Uh, that and uh, there's an event in Melbourne uh, in, what is it, four, five, six weeks uh, that I've got to grow facial hair for, otherwise no one will take me seriously.
0: <laughs> Some of us grow beards to hide our double chins. Have you ever considered that, maybe?
1: Hang no, on. I don't have a double chin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyone want to go up near a fire? Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: When Will heard of that audio clip, because I sent him up this stuff last week, and he couldn't believe that he'd talked for, I don't know, 13 or 14 minutes about all that stuff, but I guarantee that every single person gathered around him was just basically hanging on every single word that he was saying. It was just amazing. Silence, laughter, silence, laughter, just hanging on every word. Anyway, we walked back up to the hop fields, and I thought I'd grab a few words from a couple of the guys that I was hanging out with. First up is Nicholas Love. He's a brewer from Balta, Black Hops, and Seven Mile. You may remember a bit of a story from episode 152. Yeah, well, the person that he was talking about in that, that was Nick. Anyway, here he is. (laughs) Son, introduce yourself. Hi, my name's Nick, and I make beer. (laughs) And he may or may not have broken his jaw at some stage, but... Beer healer interviews people might know a little bit about that yeah if you if you listen to matt
4: then you know who i am mate tell us about why you're here today because you are not a local no no i'm from tweed and um i came down here because i'm a big admirer of will and what he does here i really like that he he grows everything on this farm and you get to drink it in a can and it tastes bloody delicious so i came to pick his brain
0: so i'm hearing that you're not to admire him because of his looks. It's been more because of what he does here. Is that true? Yeah. A little bit. I quite like the mustache, but um. <laughs> Oh, it suits him. But yeah,
4: no, definitely here for process. I'm a process engineer. That's my background.
0: So we've been here about an hour or so. We've drunk a couple of beers and look at that beautiful sunlight behind me. It looks great. Oh. <laughs> we've been around the farm a little bit. What's been the biggest thing or the most impressive thing so far? The white IPA grown with the state hops and a state yeast. It is like a vit beer, hop to hell, super tasty. It actually is super tasty. I've had a few of them. And it really surprised me that like, you know, white IPAs, I don't know, they get a bad rap, but you know, after tasting this one with him, it's, it's, can I say it's a fucking ripper? Oh, it's an absolute fucking ripper. It has to be,
4: yeah, it has to taste like a Belgian vit and that did 100%. The Everton yeast that Will's cultivated from his property is top, top world Belgian
0: slash French saison. It's,
4: it's really tasty.
0: Uh, I just want to say, how good is the whole access to this? Like we're we're part of the Paddock Beer Club, which uh, you know costs us a couple hundred bucks a year. But in in my eyes, there's two things with that. One, it's an investment in Will and what he's doing up here, because I totally believe him what he's doing, and I bloody love it. But also, it's that special access. Like today, there's 30 of us around the bonfire here today, and we are getting some pretty super special access to Will and, and what he does, aren't we?
4: Yeah. Oh, there's there's people who know good beer here for a reason, and it's because it's good beer that's made here, and it's beer – it's not your run-in-the-mill beer. Like this is stuff you've got to hunt down, you got to know who to talk to, and it's world-beating
0: Tasmanian beer. I, I love it that you say world-beating because you're a fan of the, uh, the international sort of, you know – Wild ales and all that sort of thing. Absolutely. How good is this, do you think, in comparison to what you've drunk from around the world? Oh, what Will's doing here, I and mean, we'll
4: only get better because he's only going to get better at what he does, It's definitely competes. Like Tassie, Tassie's made made a name for itself for whiskey, but the wild ales that Will's doing here competes on the Belgian scale, the French scale, the UK scale, everything.
0: I often feel like he's been slept on a little bit, that there's other people within Australia who get more kudos. But as, as far as I'm concerned, there's very few. They're not growing their ingredients on their own farm. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And there are
4: others that get the kudos. Oh, I think he needs to get more kudos. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's, there's the Glamour Bunnies. They're out there. But, you know, <laughs> glamour like, bunnies. It's, it's probably because Will's out on the farm growing yeah. the barley and growing the hops, the reason yeah. where he doesn't have time to go and, and sort of hobnob around.
0: And, look, that's not really his thing. But also, if you said to people in other parts of Australia, where the fuck is Evandale? They'd have no clue, would they? No. And this is the first time here and I'm loving it. This is, Tassie's, Tazzy's great. And if you've never been here, get down here because Sucked In, this is an amazing place.
4: Yeah. The food and the drink in Tasmania, I'm coming back. This is why I came here and it hasn't disappointed
5: <laughs> Yo. Yo. <laughs>
0: Well, I spent some time later that night with Nick back at St. John where we discovered they both had Ukrainian heritage and a love of 90s hip-hop and big day-out festivals. He went to far more than I did. But anyway, Will Tatchell brought us together, and how good is it? But I do digress. My next guest introduced Nick to Albert Lagers, and we all agreed that the Albert Blue 3.5% lager is bloody top-notch, and that guest is Judd Owen. You may know him from such things as his work with a crafty pint or his love of rosé goonbags, if you knew him in his younger years. These days, he still loves a bit of goon, but he's more into his beer. Anyway, here's Judd. Let's introduce ourselves. Hi, my name's Judd. I write for the Crafty Pint. This is a big deal. (laughs) Is it? It doesn't seem right to me. (laughs) Now, look, Judd's flown from interstate to be here today, and that's kind of a big deal, actually, uh, making that effort, mate. What made you put down your hard-earned bucks to come here and just hang out with a couple of 30-odd beer lovers at Will Tatchell's Farm? Uh, big fan of Wills. Um, is it because he's a good-looking man?
3: Mostly because he's a good-looking man. He's a very attractive man, actually. Um, no, I think,
0: well, personally, I think he might have put on a bit of weight. Well, I mean, I like that
3: in a man. <laughs> big fan of that. No, I, I think I came here mostly. I've been a big fan of Wills for a long time. Uh, the the whole notion of uh, brewing an estate ale is, uh, is very attractive to me, to be, you know. Have everything to make a beer on your own property is just like something from another century, and uh, it's uh, it's so cool that uh, yeah, that Will's able to do that here.
0: Yeah, I, I love the fact that when he talks down there, like we had earlier in the hot field, how he explains it, you don't realize like this is about as local as it gets, isn't it? It really is, yeah, like.
3: Yeah, it's, it's one thing to say I, I'm a I'm a local brewery, but like my grain comes from interstate and my hops come from yeah. you know, interstate and all that. And I use a commercially uh, propagated yeast from a from a lab somewhere. But it's a, it's a completely other thing to like, you know, I, I grow the barley there and I malt it there and the hops come from there and I age them there. And then I, uh, you know, that I. Um, I've cultivated yeast that we've collected from the farm, and that's, you know, it's just an amazing sort of, um, yeah, it's it's a truly amazing thing to be able to
0: do. The one thing I've loved, and we're going to see it later today, is where he actually um, takes the barley and turns it into the crystal malt and all that sort of thing in his very, very special kiln. Have you seen that yet? Uh, No, I have
3: not yet seen the kiln. uh, I have seen it on Instagram and uh, in various other social networks. So I assume it does exist. Um, and that he's not just fucking taking us all
0: for a ride. Uh, When Uh, I I say kiln, I more sort of mean a Fisher and Pike all two-level oven. (laughs) Yeah, that seems about right, actually. That seems uh,
3: completely on the money from what I've learned about Will in the last two hours. Yeah,
0: He's, uh, he's ghetto hijacked it, but it's an amazing amazing thing. He's a great bloke. Yeah,
3: that, that sounds great. I can't wait to see this uh, the Fisher and Pykel uh, uh, kiln that he's uh, developed and uh, and his uh, special floor malting process. <laughs> cool. Cheers to great beers, mate.
0: Cheers. So I'm not joking when I say that Will's kiln is a Fisher and Pykel oven. When I was up there the other week, this rando oven was sitting outside the brewery, and Will, with a very straight face, told me he had roasted all of the malts used to create the paddock club's Baltic and Robust porters in that said oven. Now, Will does like to take the piss, so I wasn't really sure if I should believe him or not, but no joke, it is 100% true. You can bloody get anything off Facebook Marketplace these days, eh? Anyway, for our paddock feast, the fish and pie Kiln was utilized as it should be and cooked all of our roasted vegetables – But anyway when we got back to the brew shed it was back over to will to tell us about the two porters he had on tap for us
1: effectively what it is is it's a porter uh brewed with all our own estate um, specialty malt so as i sit down in the hops we're trying to get to the point where we do a lot with our base malts which is if you use a cooking a cake analogy uh, majority of your dry ingredients are self raisin flour and then you're adding in little bits and pieces, whether it be cocoa powder, oh, sorry, cocoa powder, um, sultanas, golden syrup, whatever it is, it actually brings a flavour to the cake. Um, the difference with this being, obviously, you can tell by the colour, this has our own specialty malts in it for the first time. So there's an oven outside that you just walk past, it's cooking, parsnips and potatoes and stuff. That's our roasting vessel. <laughs> And so we've been getting to the point where, yes, we have a ghetto set up as far as the malting side of things, we have an even more ghetto set up with uh, with regards to roasting components. So we've been accumulating roasted malt um, of varying varieties across a period of time. We finally had enough and it was a good opportunity to one, do it, and two, present it to you guys as some as, um, paddock members, um, but then also present it on tap for you guys today. So. It's got a um, majority of it is obviously just a Pilsner base malt. Then there is Munich caramalt, uh, black malt, and there's a handful of roasted barley into going this. Porter is a very misunderstood style about where it stands, what it is, what it does. What we wanted to do with this was split it down the middle. The robust porter, so the South Pole is uh, fermented with an ale yeast. It happened over seven or eight days rather rapidly, ended up at 5.9%. And then the Baltic Porter is fermented with a lager yeast. It's fermented at around 12 degrees, so it takes much longer. Ferment actually happened for about three and a half to four weeks. Uh, And then we've cold conditioned it for a further four weeks on top of that. Um, And so effectively, they're the same beer, but the yeast. Um, and so this is why we've thrown it to you guys as paddock members uh, both in bottle in the packs that have gone out um but also here today to create a discussion point that's that's up to you to decide i maybe have a favorite but i'm not (laughs) going to suggest which one it is um but for my what i think is the right one i'm guaranteed there'll be someone else here that thinks the other one is is equally as good so um it's a bit of fun that we get to have in the brewery North Pole, South Pole was a bit of a byplay on Arctic, Antarctic, lager, ale, all of that sort of stuff, so it's just a bit of fun. There is that north-south uh, rivalry in Tassie, which it has nothing to do with. Uh, we were very clear on uh, making sure that there was nothing to do with that. Um, but yeah, so enjoy, see what you think. There's also, so I'm going to bring out a stack of paddock beers, our beers and stuff that'll sit up here on the bar. By all means, grab a bottle, open it, hopefully it doesn't gush, um, and walk around with it and
0: share it and offer it. I loved how Will talked about the two beers creating a discussion point because that's what beer clubs are all about, just enjoying beers and talking about them. And those conversations can lead to chats about 90s hip-hop, Goon of Fortune, and getting gaffer-taped nude to a clothesline on grand final day. Anyway, Will's not too proud to admit that when he makes a mistake, too.
1: There is also, for those that are brave enough, a balsamic vinegar from Imperial Stout. Which which will go really well, it's not actually that exciting because the Imperial Stout went so far that it turned a balsamic vinegar.
0: (laughs) 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 I've got to say, lunch was bloody amazing. Fred did a ripping job preparing everything and it was truly paddock to plate. After lunch I grabbed one of the OGs of the brewing industry Brad Rogers. He's one of the three lads who along with Ross Juricich and Jamie Cook started Stone and Wood. Brad later went back to his love of farmhouse aisles and set up the Stone and Wood offshoot Forest for the Trees. Now Brad doesn't love to do the promo kind of stuff so I really had to twist his arm to get him on the potty but here he is. I am with uh, one of the OGs of the brewing industry. I'll let him introduce himself, here he is. G'day, I'm Brad,
2: I love Will. From the first days of the paddock, I was always going to be here. The beers are tasting awesome, so here's cheers to Will and the whole family.
0: So so Brad is from Stone & Wood fame and also a massive fan of Wild Ales. He's not going to talk himself up, but Will Tatchell actually cites Brad as one of his inspirations for what he's doing here. Oh I'm actually joking. He actually does talk about you like, like he's in love with you. So I think it's actually a big thing. So for you to make it Will, down Will here... Will and I have
2: had many, many beers uh, over the years and... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, maybe we've been in here and uh, we've had some great times So, Love Will, love what the whole brewery, business and family are doing. But it's Farmyard Ale that's real here in this country. Love what what they're doing.
0: Why why do you love the Farmyard Ale so much?
2: Nah, it's everything grown here on site, you know, yeast, malts, hops, everything. Cheers.
0: Cheers, mate. See, a man of few words. I really wasn't able to hold on to him any longer. It was nice, though, that Brad was able to get down for lunch because I know that Will True was truly appreciative of him coming, as he does think of Brad as a bit of a mentor. Now, look, speaking of interstaters, it was great to see so many come down. We had birthday boy Callum and his partner from WA, Bob and Mike from Adelaide, Brad from Byron, Nick and Hayley from Tweed, Judd and Alicia from Sydney, Johnny B, another brewer from up at Byron, and probably a few more that I can't remember. Anyway, it was just awesome to see them all come down. Now, look, while I'm shouting people out, Will's wife Kaylee was running around all day like a mad woman, keeping us fed with the help of the meat master, Fred, and they were just looking after us to a T. It was great. Fred, absolute champion host, and Kaylee thank you so much for looking after us plus let's not forget what else Carly brings to the table my favourite beer of Will's it's the one that I love to share with my wife Mel it's a wild saison aged briefly in oak barrels with wild blackberry blossom before resting on new season whole raspberries and farm picked rose hips. it is just outstanding and Will the champion went out the back to find me a bottle made me feel a little bit special I've got to say and then before we knew it it was time to go that afternoon just absolutely flew by so here's Will with his closing speech
1: Thank you, thank you all for coming. Um, I would like to think there's been half a success of what we thought it would be. Um, it's, I know I've had a bit of fun uh, and hopefully you have and we've sort of embellished a little bit what we're on about and bits and pieces other than good times, good beer and good people. So uh, thank you for coming. Uh, it's a pleasure having you in the Paddock Club. Um, as I said earlier, yeah. As I said earlier, it's very rarely that we um, that we do stuff here, hospitality wise. So it's always special these type of events. Um, can I make very special mention to Fred and Kaylee? Yeah! Yeah! Um, they make a the wonderful husband wife. <laughs>
5: <laughs> and
1: uh, yeah, so wouldn't happen without you. So thank you. Cheers. Let's uh, let's do it again next year.
0: Well, that was the day, but I really wanted to grab Will um, on the line for a few quick words about you know, how great the day was just to sort of close this whole thing out. So I've done the numbers, mate, and welcome back for your uh, sixth appearance on the Beer Healer interviews.
1: <laughs> I am I am I up to frequent flyer points here? You're,
0: yeah, you're my, my most, most. I was going to say most requested guest, but you're not, but you're my most
1: <laughs> frequent <laughs> guest. Um, There's a big difference.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, <laughs> look, the, um, the listeners have just heard a recount of the day by me and some audio grabs from each of the stops around the farm, which was your good self talking. And and I've got to say, if they don't all want to be there next year to experience it again, and for those who are listening want to come down and do it firsthand for the first time, I pretty much suck at this because there was some really great stuff uh, amongst all of that, and it was an absolutely outstanding day that we had, wasn't it?
1: Well, I think it's it's one of those things. I saw you recording across the day and things that I, it's one of those ones that you have to be there to experience it, yes. uh, and things. So, it, um, I mean, I'm sitting outside now uh, a couple of days later and, um, but the sun is out and there is not a breath of wind, and it is the most magic day. But I think the fires work better on uh, on Saturday, uh, for the paddock members,
0: and they were blazing. It's, it's one of those things we can we can talk about it and I can I can describe it and all that sort of thing. But until you're actually there on the farm, and a lot of people did actually say, so like, oh, shit, this this place is amazing, and you, it doesn't do it justice in any video or any obviously audio either, I don't think.
1: I, I tend to agree with that. It's, um, yeah, you can capture a small minority of uh, what you want to in a, in a, off a phone or off a, off a camera or whatever it is. It's, um, once you're immersed in a spot and you, and you, and I mean, that was one of the things with the paddock experience was we wanted to, to create, create an experience. Uh, rather than just drinking beers and and talking to people, so the moment that we 're on farm and, and doing that and drinking beverages that are that are sourced entirely from on farm, the penny starts to drop with a few people and um, yeah that's the that 's the enjoyment factor for me
0: yeah um. My uh, going around collecting feedback from people, you know, club members, the plus ones, uh, it was absolutely overwhelmingly positive. Um, I think you would have been an absolute loser if you didn't have a good day out there that day. Um, Speaking of, did you have a good day yourself?
1: I did have a good day. It was, uh, I, I suppose, in a roundabout sort of way, it was still a work day for me. But yes. um, a lot of people sort of said, "Oh, geez, you, you speak well, you, you present nicely, and stuff." And I think it's it's hard not to. I didn't.
0: I didn't hear that feedback. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's hard. It's
1: hard not to when I am uh, relatively passionate about what yeah. we do and and intimate with. Um, pretty much every process in which we create our beers. So knowledge is one thing, passion is another, and then when you get to share it with like-minded individuals, it um, it, it becomes a, a, a fun thing to do.
0: Yeah, I mentioned earlier in the podcast that people were just like hanging on your every word. Basically, you know, for that 15 minutes we are down in the hot fields and it was, just, it was pretty much silence except for the laughter, of course, but just absolutely hanging on every word you had to say. It was awesome. Oh, well, I, I,
1: I don't pretend to know stuff. We wing it a lot <laughs> of the time. So it's, um, it's, it's nice to know that people were engaged and enthusiastic towards what we do. And, and, again, that was one of the reasons why we developed the Paddock Club was to, to do that, exactly that, get like-minded individuals out here and enjoying the beers that we like to produce.
0: Yeah, it's, it's funny that you say that because, you know, a lot of people would see these things and think, oh, they're just, they're just trying to make a buck and find another way to sell their beers. But I, I don't believe that because I know how much work goes into to doing this for you in, in terms of, you know, from creating the, the ideas for the strange and weird and wonderful beers that we get to the, the packaging, the label design, the bottling, all that sort of stuff, and even just the logistics of getting it out the door. This is a, a very hands-on process for you. So it's not necessarily the most cost-efficient thing you could do, but it's... You know, obviously, it is definitely an economic thing, but it's not your number one thing. Is to not sell that beer. Is no, about creating these uh, ambassadors.
1: Yeah, no, the the driver is not uh, a financial driver. It is a opportunity for us to share stuff, whether it be. Uh, limited releases or experimental projects that we're, that, we're, um, that we're working on to share it with people that uh, are accepting and, and also knowledgeable about the, the styles in which we're producing and things. I mean, a, a good example of that is um, before jumping on here, speaking to you, I've just moved in. Uh, the best part of 3,000 litres of barrel aged beer in which we will blend up next week. Um, across a variety of, of different beers and things that um, that will end up becoming limited releases across the next six to nine months. So there's there's work still to be done and there's things in there that will be paddock releases, there's commercial releases in there, and there's also stuff that we will uh, package but lay down for, for a uh, significant period of time before we actually get to the point of releasing it.
0: It's, uh, it's pretty special stuff what you do and it wasn't until I sort of walked around I mean I, I kind of know what you do and you know I really appreciate your, you know what you're up to up there but in talking to the guys that are, and girls that have come from interstate even and asking them questions about you know how do they rate this stuff that you're making in comparison to other stuff they've tried around the world and overwhelmingly like mate this this guy's onto something here it was, it was pretty cool actually
1: i think we're not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes we're just we're simply creating liquid stories from the the patch of land in which we um grow our ingredients and stuff and if if people realize that there's some good stuff happening there and and appreciate it and value it and stuff then there's fun involved for me and there's hopefully a um a bit of a, obviously, a, a financial lifestyle around that from a business perspective and, and family perspective. But more than anything, mate, it's it's fun for me, as I say, sitting out here on a, one of the wagon wheels that we use as a table on Saturday. <laughs> I've just opened up a, a Wildebeest Fresh Hop uh, White IPA and I'm now sitting here just enjoying the sunshine. So it's fun.
0: Outstanding beer, that one. Um, it's interesting. I was saying to you earlier in the week that I uh, got the family trip to Hawaii, come up in a couple of weeks, and uh, my old mate Steve Harmschild from Nanakai Brewing, who also dabbles in this kind of space, similar to you, but, you know, with the Hawaiian spin on it, when I said to him, you know, can we catch up for a beer and would you like me to bring you anything, his one response was, "I want to try the Van Diemen beers." Uh, I thought that was pretty awesome, mate.
1: Oh it's nice. obviously we we don't get much stuff into Hawaii, no. beer, so <laughs> I think we can I think we can work with that request and uh, and see if we can get something over to Steve. And it's always again, it is an appreciation for these type of beers. It's a small subset of the craft beer community, but it's what we drive uh, passionately uh, here, what I love to drink and, and more than anything, love to share with people. So it's um, it's worthwhile going ahead with, one, the Paddock Club, two, these events, and three, sharing beers uh, amongst the beer-loving community.
0: And uh, look, speaking of game, respecting game, it was absolutely awesome for you, I think, to uh, see your old mate and mentor, you called him, uh, Brad Rogers, make the trip down to, uh, to hang out with you for the day. That was unreal.
1: Yeah. Uh, He's been a big supporter of ours. I've learned a lot from him. Uh, we've shared a lot of beers and stuff. So he always said that he was going to be the the first one there, and uh, true to his word, he was there. So it was, it was nice for him to enjoy the day, uh, for others to enjoy his company, and um, for us to sit down and, and share a beer at the end of the day. So it was nice.
3: Yeah,
0: absolutely. Have you uh, already started uh, planning out the uh, Paddock 2023 Club and what the next uh – uh, long lunch might it be like? Uh,
1: no, I haven't actually, but I do, it did give me an impetus to uh, basically sort out the next couple of releases for the paddocks. So I've got them uh, pretty much nutted down uh, as far as an event for next year. Um, obviously we want to hold it in the paddock and we were, we were sort of hamstrung a little bit with the wind and potential weather that we had on Saturday, even though it didn't develop into moisture of any uh, significance, it um, would be nice to have a day that I'm standing out in now whereby we have a spot out in the middle of the paddock and uh, sitting in sunshine, bathing in sunshine and with a nice big long table and sharing beers and, and enjoying people.
0: Yeah, it's taking me back to that day up there where we did the From the Wilderness uh, Beer Festival <laughs> and that was just like the ultimate. <laughs> I keep coming back to that one. I'm sorry. That was so good. But, uh, yeah, And so how are you going to handle it when uh, the people that hear this podcast all want to sign up and double your membership on the paddock? Can you take more people on?
1: Uh, we can take more people on. Now, obviously, uh, preference will be given to the members that are the existing members that are there yep. and then, once that's potentially exhausted, then we will open it up to the general public and things. So there, is, there is a manageable number in which we can obviously do it. Obviously, we're not opening it up to thousands or even hundreds. So it's, um, it's, it's a pretty limited and exclusive group. And uh, that'll come around sort of uh, end of November, start of December. Um, opening that up and we'll see where it gets us.
0: Yep, yeah, unreal. And uh, big shout out to Fred and Kaylee for assisting you on the day. Uh, they made the day go really <laughs> oh, smooth. It was great.
1: Yeah, even though it was work day for me, part of my work was obviously just chatting to everyone and enjoying a, a beer with everyone. But it was behind the scenes with my wife, Kaylee, and uh, Fred, the, the master of meats, as I called him, that mm-hmm. um, even though we were slightly delayed on the, on the cooking side of things, it, um, yeah, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. There's, there's only so many things a man can do, and it's normally only one thing at a time, so <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to do it without any of them.
0: And I've got to say thanks to going out to the back to the cellar to grab me that bottle of Kaylee to share with. I forget who it was that shared it with me, but that beer, 12 or 18 months on, is still just absolutely outstanding. I
1: might enjoy one tonight as a result.
0: Do it, do it, mate. All right, mate, thanks for joining us and, uh, yeah, what a great event. You should be bloody proud of yourself. Well done.
1: Oh, well, I appreciate you coming up, Lukey, and uh, being part of the Paddock Club and, and what you do for craft beer and stuff, mate. It's uh, it's enjoyable spreading the word and, in uh, as I said, on the Paddock Day, it's, the industry is very much based around people and good people and you're one of those, so thank you, mate. Cheers to great beers.
0: So there you go, listeners. How awesome are beer clubs? I've just got to say I had the most wonderful day up there at Van Diemen Brewing, and I'm sure everybody else just feels exactly the same. We were treated like family up there, had a great day, got to try some beers that you know maybe you don't normally get to try, and just had a great experience. And if that's what the Paddock Club is going to stand for moving forward, sign me up for next year and every year after that because it was absolutely outstanding. Um, if you're a member of a beer club, shout them out, tell me about them, because I'd love to know because there are some great ones out there. And if you're not a member of the paddock, check it out next year. I think it'll be November, like Will said, that uh, he'll be taking on uh, new members. But, of course, us current members, uh, we will be getting first, uh, first dibs at getting back involved. So that is awesome. I uh, hope you're well. Take it easy. Cheers to great beers. Thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have an interesting beer story and want to be a guest on the Beer Healer interviews, send me a message via my Facebook page. And once again, if you want to help out the show, a simple rate and review on Apple Podcasts or a follow, like or share on any other podcast service will do the trick. I'll catch you soon.